I invite you to rise as you're able. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who spoke light into creation, who calls us to listen and follow, who sends us to shine like stars. Let us come before God, confessing our sin with the assurance of God's grace and God's mercy. Holy and merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
worship and praise. Let us pray to the Almighty and immortal, you are beyond our knowing, yet we see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Transform us into the likeness of your Son, who renewed our humanity so that we may share in his divinity. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to be seated and for our kids to come forward at this time. All right. Welcome, welcome. Going to have full participation from all of you today and even everyone out there. So, I gave warning. We're going to ask a question. Here we go. That's all right. I would like to know why you kids think your parents brought you to church. I'm going to have you borrow my microphone, okay? Anyone else? What do you think? Oh, oh, we got one. All right, all right, all right. There's another one. Okay, what do you think? Why do you think your parents bring you to church? So we can learn about God. Good, all right. Any other ideas, either of you? What do you think? So that when we go to church as a kid, we keep going, like, as we get older, and then we can, like, bring our kids to church, too. Yep, yep. Anyone else? Do you have an idea? The Word of God? Good. What else do you think? Any, what do you think? Why do you think your, your dad brings you here, Zoe? Any ideas? That's a good question. What about you guys? Do you have any ideas you want to think? Why they might bring you here? All right, let's hear out there. Uh, we're going to have a couple of, there's a hand over there, a couple of Phil Donahue's out there taking uh, your comments. Because that's how they were raised, going to church every single week. True, that's true for a lot of us. Yeah. All right. Church. What do you think? You don't have to have a, a child right now that you're 
forcing to come to church. <laughs> you could just remember why you might potentially bring someone to church. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Yep. How to sing? Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. How to sit still? Huh? Did you have another idea, or did you just want? Oh, let's. See. She's got another idea. So we can know how much God loves us, and Jesus loves us. Yep. Very good. Love that one. Yep. So they can become friends with other children. Friends with other children of God. Yeah, right here. So my dad was very strict, and part of it was so we could learn how to sing and learn how to read. So he would point, you know, to the hymns and everything. That's how we all kind of learned how to read. And then also to know something bigger than us. So even when we were a big family, um, there was something bigger than us collectively yep. that would that would help us. Right. Good. Yep. Because the week goes better. The week goes better. You come here. That's a good one too. Anyone else? All right, one last one over here. Those relationships, especially intergenerational. Yep, yep. It's good. It's good that you know lots of people love you, not just your your parents, and your you know. But there's like people that are willing to be a, be grandparents to you out here and want to know how you're doing. So I just want you to know today that you are brought here out of love and so that I think Claire said it really well, so that you grow up knowing how much Jesus loves you and that you are forgiven and that you are never alone in this world because all of us are Jesus' body for each other. So we are the church together and no matter how hard life can get sometimes, we want you to know you're, you're not alone. You've got God and you've got all of us or whatever church you're a part of someday. So let's say a prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for these kids, for making us your church, and I pray that you would help all of us here to know that we are called here for a reason, and that is to see your face so that we can see it both here and everywhere in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. The first reading comes from 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the old covenant, that same veil is still there. Since only Christ, is it only in Christ, is it set aside? Indeed, to this very day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror or being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides we refuse to practice cunning or falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. The word of the Lord.
The Gospel according to St. Luke. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came over and overshadowed them. They were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and in those days, told no one of any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met, them, met him. Just, as it went, just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks, and it convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your dis disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation. How much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, today is the... Sunday we call by that fancy word transfiguration because we always hear that story of Jesus being transfigured. That is, changed to look different than he usually looked up on a mountain with a few of his closest disciples. It's an imp important story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell it in a remarkably similar way just before Jesus turns his face to Jerusalem and the cross. But it's kind of a weird story, too, and one of those that you, weir you read and think, now what is that one supposed to mean? <laughs> Jesus got all glowing white. Didn't we do a good job of glowing white today with these new lights? Then Peter wanted to build some tents so they could just stay up there on the mountain and hang out. At first glance, it seems like one of those stories that we file away with the so-and-so begat so-and-so and on and on and on, and don't really worry about it. We'll take the 23rd Psalm and the woman at the well. Those are a lot easier to deal with. But as I read through several commentaries, a thread that seemed to unite them was the belief that Peter, James, and John got a gift when they saw Jesus all lit up along with Moses and Elijah. It was like a curtain was pulled back and they saw who he really was. And maybe that was exactly the thing they needed as they had to walk with him to the cross. 
I was having a conversation with some teenagers, and they were saying that in an ancient history class, they were talking about how religion involves brainwashing. Patriotism can be that way, too, they learned. And at first, I was offended. I don't consider myself in the business of brainwashing. But as I tried to calm down and listen, I started thinking, you know, maybe having our brains washed in the light of Christ isn't all that bad. Because maybe, just maybe, that's when you start to notice things you might not notice otherwise. As I was talking to those kids, I said, I hope you know your parents don't force you to go to church because they're trying to brainwash you. They do it because they want you to know and see and feel how much God loves you. Because life, if it isn't already hard, is going to get hard. And you will need to lean on that love. And they hope beyond hope that by taking you here, you will learn to see Jesus out there. And actually, maybe they do hope your brains will be washed a bit. Because it is a joy when our brains are washed in the love of God. So there's a gymnast at UCLA named Caitlin Ohashi. I ran across her story, and it's pretty amazing. I guess she was an Olympic-bound, world-class gymnast. She even beat Simone Bile at Worlds. But she suffered a shoulder injury that should have ended her career. Despite being told she would never compete again, she wrote off the doom and gloom and began training and told her coach, I am not going to come back to the sport if it means being the best. Why? She said there was no joy in being the best. The pressure to compete for the top was all work and no play. She said, I'm not going to compete again unless it's all play and a lot of work. I guess her last floor routine on YouTube had over 40 million views. And this isn't just because she scored a perfect 10. You should watch it. It's because she is so joyful in it. It's sheer joy in motion watching her. So what does this have to do with the transfiguration and being brainwashed? I'm going to go out on a limb today and say maybe Jesus was transfigured just for the joy of it. Maybe he wanted to let his disciples know that he was going to surprise them, appear to them, be with them. And when you start looking yourself and stop worrying if you're being brainwashed or if you're right or if you're reading the Bible the way you're supposed to, you might be surprised by Jesus too. And you might start to see Jesus all over the place. I've got a few stories of seeing Jesus lately. At the next service, two little kids, Nicholas and Julia, are receiving their first communion, and they have been a joy to teach about what this all means. One Sunday, a few weeks ago, I was serving the bread, and Nicholas came up for a blessing, and he said to me, I just can't wait for March 3rd. Remember a couple weeks ago when Matthew was baptized? He came into his parents' life when they were a bit, shall we say, Abraham and Sarah-ish. But they have welcomed and loved him, and I told Matthew when he got baptized he would get a whole new family, all of you. Did you hear him up there? He said as we, you were making promises to him, are they my family now? Yes, we are, Matthew. Patty Randall said I could tell this story on her. I was visiting her a couple weeks ago, and she had major back surgery, and several of you brought meals to her, and she told me a story about the first meal she received. It turns out she was maybe going to have to stay an extra day in the hospital, so she tried to call Kim and stop the meal from coming because Patty likes to take control of things. She said I could say that. But then she ended up getting out of the hospital that day and not getting a hold of Kim, and when she and Wade got home, there was the meal. They 
opened the cover and it was still warm. And she said it was like the Holy Spirit on her front porch saying, See, Patty, I got this. You can let go of all that control you like so much. Or a woman on our retreat last weekend. She was telling the story of being worried about a friend who's an avowed atheist. She's been trying to share faith with her, but this woman will have none of it. She was feeling bad about it. But I guess when she told her mom about it, her mom said, Hmm, well, won't she be surprised? I guess it was a weight lifted off her shoulders, and it made her giggle in joy. When your brain is washed in joy and Jesus' love, you start to see him everywhere. But there is another part to the transfiguration story, isn't there? Lent starts on Wednesday, and when you come to worship on Ash Wednesday and for all of the Sundays these next few weeks, there's going to be a cross laying right over there. Pastor Bill is going to preach on Wednesday about how we live in the shadow of that cross always. And the story of the transfiguration isn't complete without the knowledge that it happens in the shadow of the cross. When Jesus talks with Moses and Elijah in the story, they talk about his departure. That means they were talking about him going to Jerusalem to die. And after being on that mountain where Peter wanted to build a house and stay forever, who's the first person they see when they come down but a dad who is so scared and hopeless but he, because he has tried everything, but nothing he does has been able to help his son. Now before this story, Jesus had sent the disciples out to heal and they were able to do it, but not here. Here they could do nothing. And that happens, doesn't it? We pray for our kids and bring them faithfully to church, and they don't believe. We long to see Jesus, but he seems absent. We ask to be healed, and we aren't. Even Jesus gets frustrated here. I wonder if that's why he yells, you faithless and perverse generation. Is he angry at us, or is he saying, I get it, it's hard, it is so difficult living in the shadow of the cross. At our retreat last weekend, we spent time praying, and one person who was on the hearts of several women there is a young man who struggles with addiction. I know there isn't a person here who's not had their life affected by addiction. In some cases, demonic almost seems the perfect description Something seems to get people in their grasp, and they just can't be free. We want to yell, just stop! But the lure is so strong. As we prayed for him, I thought about the circle of women. He had no idea who were in his corner, praying and remembering him and claiming his life for Jesus. We wanted him to know Jesus is right there with you. And I saw Jesus in that circle of praying women. Did you know prayer is the one way that Luke's story of Jesus being transfigured is different from the other ones? Prayer is hugely important to Jesus, and in Luke, he's praying when all the major things happen in his life. Here's what David Lowe says about prayer. Perhaps prayer is a way of attuning ourselves to God and the way we share a life with God. And it also is practice. Prayer is practicing, lifting up to God our joys and concerns, dreams and fears, hopes and anxieties. And that means we think about all of these things in light of God and our faith. And that means every time we pray, we bridge the gap between our daily life and our church or faith life. If you think about it, isn't that what I'm talking about in seeing Jesus? I think often we struggle with how what happens here affects our lives out there. 
Maybe that's why so many people call this brainwashing. But when we pray, when we acknowledge that God is here and at our work and at our school and everywhere we go at the mall or whatever, something changes in us. We start to see God at work. We start to believe faith matters for all of life. A lot of people say that Corinthians lesson today is about the most confusing one that Paul writes. But I read a guy who described that veil of God being removed and us looking at Jesus and seeing the face of God and our face in Jesus. He likened it to when you're really trying to listen to someone and figure out what they're thinking. Does that work Not really, does it? Because what we end up doing is thinking what we're thinking and putting what we're thinking onto them. I do that a lot. But in a way, as we look at their face, we start to see our face. And maybe that's what God wants for us when we pray to God. We look at God's face and we start to be transfigured and see our face, we start to change too. When we talk to God, when we seek God's face, maybe that's when our brains are washed in his love and his joy and he becomes revealed in us. I'm sure you have a lot of questions about this, like those teenagers. So, you know what? As we head into the season of Lent, I want you to embrace your questions. It's great to have doubts. Pray. Share them all with God. And then what I want you to do is just throw caution to the wind and say, what the heck? I'm just going to believe I'm seeing Jesus. Someone else might say it's just a casserole, but not to me. To me, the veil has been removed. I'm going to just stop worrying and think about thinking the right thoughts or praying correctly and just be free like that gymnast Caitlin. Because in God's eyes, we're all perfect tens. Telling you it's true. So this Transfiguration Sunday, open your eyes. Jesus is here in the good, the bad, and the ugly. We live in the shadow of his cross, and our faces reflect his glory. Let it be so in our lives. Amen.
Together, let us confess our faith in the light of Christ's glory. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray now for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people everywhere according to their need. Almighty God, encounter us with your glory in this world often filled with darkness. Take us to the mountaintop so that we, we might be encouraged and strengthened to face the valleys below. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Reveal your glory to graduating seminary students as their regional assignments come out, that they may be filled with joy and strength in their first calls to ministry. Lord, in your mercy. Reveal your glory to women at the Washington Correctional Center in Gig Harbor as they seek renewal and healing in their lives. Give strength to the empowering life and those in our congregation as they journey with these women. Lord, in your mercy. Reveal your glory to many in our community in need of affordable housing. And give strength to kids of homes of compassion as they continue to work in your name to provide a safe and sustainable home for many in need. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit, prepare us now for the journey ahead. As we walk with you into the season of Lent, let it be for us a way to see and to show who you are for us in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we lift up today Peter Carr and Debbie Marsh and Patty Randall and Ann Cummings as they all recover. We pray for Marietta's sister-in-law, Priscilla, as she undergoes tests for cancer, and for Fran Merritt as she's in frail health. We also lift up to you, Daniel Ray, uh, from the Washington Correction Center in, in Purdy. God, we lift up many before you who are facing cancer. We add to that list today Gary Ludwig, and pray for Dave Ryan, Gail Crenshaw, Jim McKelvey, Ron Maddox, Kathy Schaefer, and Carol Wales. And we lift up those who are deployed and their families here at home, many who remain unnamed, but we name before you Eric Fromm, Megan Seawolf, Jared Kane, Andrew Catrone, and David Wooten. And God, we lift up many for whom we continue to pray, and now others we name before you. Sam, Jean, Malachi. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, people and places, trusting them into the mercy and glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. And also with you. Please share that peace with one another. Certainly part of why we come here today is to be in the company of sisters and brothers. And so this is a holy time when we share peace with one another and a community time as well. So I invite you as you share the peace to pass along the friendship booklets to note your presence with us in worship. If you're a guest of ours today, that's a great place to note some more information so we can send you a letter or an email of thanks 
uh, for being with us today. There are several um, opportunities to connect, um, things going on both in our congregation and community, ways to serve in your uh, beacon, and then also um, on the ministry card is a way that you can kind of engage with some of those things. But I do want to highlight just a few that are, especially that are coming up here in the next uh, week or so. Um, Fat Tuesday is kind of the Silverdale Mardi Gras, and it will be a, a fun celebration from this Tuesday from 5 to 7. Um, and in addition to a redonkulous amount of pancake toppings, I mean like absolutely crazy amount of pancake toppings, we'll have uh, a hilarious melodrama, some trivia, and all kinds of things that are going on. All generations welcome. It's intended to be like this, one of the last few intergenerational things we have in our, in our lives, right? The day after, uh, things get a little more focused the next day with uh, Ash Wednesday here uh, for worship. Um, there's one during the day at 11 a.m. and then one in the evening at 7 p.m. Uh, really a fabulous way to get the season started. Um, and then also the Youth Thank You Dinner is coming up uh, that next Sunday, the 10th of March. Um, and it's kind of in, in place of the auction. We wanted to keep that fellowship, but we thought it was time for us as a, as a youth ministry here to just say thank you to the congregation. Um, there will be... Um, uh, many of the best elements of the auction, the wonderful dinner by Chef Michael, um, entertainment, some really super special guests. I'm really excited about that particular piece. Um, and plus, you'll get a little bit more uh, um, time to meet the youth who are going on the trip and get to know them and the leaders as well. So the dinner is next week, March 10th, and you can sign up for that in between the services. First Communion's coming up. Take a look at that. It's approaching fast. Um, and then um, next week, just a reminder, even though your, your uh, phones are going to do it for you, spring forward, all right? So we lose that hour we gained in the fall. I'm all for, for vetoing this whole exercise, but anyway, that's another issue. It's happening next week. All right. I want to welcome those who may be guests of ours if you'd like to be uh, acknowledged or introduce yourself or be introduced. Let's start this direction. Anybody we can welcome today? Okay. How about over this side? All right, well, we'll continue with our pledges and offerings. <coughs> Thank you. 
Let us pray. God of all creation, all you have made is The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who, sharing our life, lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to your own brilliant light. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, Take, drink this, all of you. I forgot the words. <laughs> Fifteen years, and I forgot the words. The Holy Spirit didn't show up in my casserole today. <laughs> Let's start that again. Again, after supper, Jesus took this cup, and he gave it to all. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your love and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Come to this table and see Jesus. I invite you to be seated and come forward as you're invited.
invite you to rise as you're able. With this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Light and peace are yours through Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Grace filled. Go in peace and serve the Lord.